On Tuesday, President Trump, speaking from Judea and Samaria while standing next to master terrorist supporter Palestinian dictator Mahmoud Abbas, tore into the Islamic terrorists responsible for the bombing of an Ariana Grande concert in Manchester on Monday evening. He said so many young, beautiful, innocent people living and enjoying their lives murdered by evil losers in life. I won't call them monsters because they would like that term. They would think that's a great name. I will call them from now on losers because that's what they are. They're losers and we'll have more of them, but they're losers. Just remember that. Some on the left predictably thought Trump's language was childish. Una Hajdari said, Trump on the Manchester attack. So many people killed by evil losers. He sounded like a high school girl reacting to her hair being pulled. Alan Greenspan, Trump sounds like a third grader name-calling terrorists evil losers. Is this how a president is supposed to act? Here's the thing. Trump is 100% absolutely positively correct. Every time there is an Islamic terrorist attack, people immediately jump to trying to understand the mind of the terrorist. What drove him to blow himself up in a pizzeria or at a dance club? What made him pick up a gun and mow down patrons in a gay bar? Why would he drive a truck through a Christmas market? We all know the answer. Islamic extremism. But by constantly asking the question and then answering it with various laments about poverty or lack of opportunity, we put the onus on ourselves to answer the charge implicit in terrorism, that the terrorists are the actual victims and that they have somehow been wronged. Here's the truth. They haven't been wronged. They are, as President Trump says, evil losers. They deserve no answer. They deserve no sympathy. They require no explanation from us. Those who would murder children at a pop concert ought to be killed at the earliest available opportunity, and we shouldn't bother trying to decrypt how the monsters were created. That's because they're not monsters at all. They're human beings who believe evil things, and they are losers who aren't winning any battles in heaven or on earth. Their names will disappear from history, and their souls burn in hell eternally. Trump is also right that we must stop using the language of strength to describe those who act out of weakness. If you have to blow up 13-year-old girls listening to teeny pop material, you're not a powerful monster. You're a worm, a feeble piece of human refuse. We should describe terrorists with contempt, not build them up in their own minds. Islamic terrorists feed off the notion that the West lives in fear of them. We live in fear of things they will do, obviously, but we don't live in fear of them because they're ridiculous, puny human beings. Ridiculous and puny human beings can harm innocent people, too. But handing them an unearned moniker like monster, scary by nature, is counterproductive and boosts egos where no boost is necessary. So, good for Trump. Trump knows well how to demean people and make them feel smaller. And Islamic terrorists should be made to feel small. They should be scorned, derided, mocked, treated as small. They're not martyrs. They're not warriors. They're not victims. They're evil losers. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. So obviously horrific terrorist attack in Manchester, UK last night. Uh, we now know more about the, the person who is responsible for this horrific terror attack. Apparently he was British born, known to authorities prior to the attack. Uh, his name was Abadi, I guess it's Salman Abadi, 23 years old. And the ISIS claims, ISIS claims that Abadi was a caliphate soldier. They've claimed responsibility for the attack. CBS News says that another person has been arrested in southern Manchester in connection with the attack. Officials believe only a single device was planted at the arena, but they've detonated another in South Manchester. So I guess that there was another one that was out there. And uh, the, it was, one of the people who was killed was an, an eight-year-old girl. Uh, there are a bunch of an 18-year-old woman, and a 26-year-old John Atkinson. Of the injured, 59 were taken to the hospital, of, of which at least 12 were children. And we always forget, by the way, that when there's a bombing like this, the people who are injured, not just the people who are wounded, the people who are injured sometimes have their lives ruined. Because if you, if you catch a bolt to the brain, it's going to destroy your life. If you lose your leg, if you are, if you are grievously wounded uh, in sensitive areas of the body, then it can destroy your life whether or not you die. We tend to look at the death toll, but not at the wounded toll. Uh, and that's a mistake. We'll talk more about 
about all of this. But first, we want to say thank you to our sponsors over at ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Well, now is the time for you to fill the job that you've needed to fill and to do it right. We know that we need to do that over at The Daily Wire, which is why we at The Daily Wire use ZipRecruiter on a routine basis. We know better than anyone that filling a job correctly is really tough, which is why we have so many bad people here, and we've started to use ZipRecruiter to replace them. It's hard to find good people, and if you cast the net in the wrong way, then you end up with an inbox filled with bad resumes, and that's why you need ZipRecruiter. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click, and then they have great technology that efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anybody else. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. You don't have to juggle emails or calls to your office. Their system allows you to screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with their easy-to-use dashboard. Right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. You can do it just for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire, and you can post your jobs right now for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. We'll use it here at the office, and you should use it too. Okay, so yesterday, when this attack is going down, uh, I'm watching CNN uh, because I'm at the gym and I can't change the channel. And while I'm watching it, it's, it's, I start, my phone starts buzzing. And it starts buzzing because the attack is happening, but CNN isn't covering the attack. CNN is covering the Trump-Russia allegations. We'll get to all of that a little bit later. But if you look at the media news this morning, you can see that while Fox News has been amply covering the Manchester attack, a lot of the other networks have already moved on from the Manchester attack, and they're talking about John Brennan, former head of the CIA, speaking with Congress, or they're talking Trump-Russia. And you can see the priorities that the media have here. Regardless of what you think of President Trump, regardless of whether you think that he is corrupt or whether he colluded, which there's no evidence he did, regardless of what you think, the big news story yesterday was none of the Trump-Russia stuff. It was the fact that there was an evil terrorist who blew himself up in the middle of an Ariana Grande concert and murdered 22 people and another 59 injured. That is the big story of yesterday. If Barack Obama were president, I promise you the media would be covering it wall to wall because Trump is president. They cover it sporadically so that they can say that they did it, but they don't cover it wall to wall in any serious way. And Trump does get credit for calling this out in a way that, that Obama never did. I think that Trump is right on point when he says what he says about these people being evil losers. Here's President Obama making this comment. This is from Bethlehem. This is clip 13. So many young, beautiful, innocent people living and enjoying their lives murdered by evil losers in life. I won't call them monsters because they would like that term. They would think that's a great name. I will call them from now on losers because that's what they are. They're losers. And we'll have more of them. But they're losers. Just remember that. And I think that he's totally right. And this is something worthwhile for Trump to say. I called him a bomb before. Obviously, it's Trump. Uh, and Trump is 100% right. When the left starts ripping on him for saying stuff like this, this is why Trump is more popular among a certain segments of the population than the Democrats. And you can certainly see that because Trump does something that I think the rest of us need to recognize. It's not our job to identify why evil people believe evil things. It is our job to destroy the evil people. You know, 
in uh, the, the the best movie villain of all time is uh, the Joker in in Batman. And one of the reasons the Joker in Batman is such a great movie villain is because you don't know his background. So two or three times in the film, the Joker starts to tell about how he uh, his face was carved up, and he tells different stories. And the purpose of that is to demonstrate that true evil doesn't need a rationale. True evil doesn't need a reason. Now we know the rationale for Islamic terrorism, and it is an interpretation of Islam that justifies jihad. We know that that's a widespread interpretation of Islam. This is not a, a minor strain inside Islam. There are probably tens of millions of people at the least who believe it, maybe hundreds of millions who believe it. Okay, but that said, what Trump is doing here by, by saying, listen, I'm not interested in doing a psychological study, a psychological profile of these losers, is he's demeaning them in a way that they ought to be demeaned. The left, meanwhile, is trying to come up with reasons why the West is actually responsible for this so we can solve all of the problems. I think that's because for a lot of folks on the left, they're looking for a solution to terrorism that doesn't involve just killing as many terrorists as humanly possible. On the right, people seem pretty willing to go to, okay, let's kill as many of these people as possible. Let's humiliate them. Let's destroy them. Let's wipe them off the face of the earth. On the left, it's got to be, well, if we just were nicer in a certain way, if we just if we just focused on income inequality, if we just focused on global warming, maybe all of that would change. So take, for example... Chelsea Clinton. So Chelsea Clinton is being pushed by the left as some newfangled Democrat who's going to come along and save them. Listen, if your last hope is Chelsea Clinton, folks, you're done as a party. If Chelsea Clinton is your great hope for a resurrection as a party, you're finished. She was discussing at some sort of women's conference uh, the, the interlinkage, what she called the interconnections, between child marriage, right? We're talking about the rape of small children and climate change. Watch, watch. This is how Democrats tend to think about terrorism. This is how they tend to think about radical Islam. They think it's part of this broader network of thinking, and it's just idiotic. Um, which is to be able to uh, kind of carry multiple concerns in both our head and our heart. And just listening kind of to the concerns around education and climate change, kind of women's health, you know, child marriage, access to technology, um, all of those are, of course, interconnected. Um, we have to focus on each of them kind of in their interconnectedness and also as kind of individual outrages. Um, that okay, this is, it's, meaningless, it's meaningless bullcrap. And this is why when Trump said during the campaign, bomb the crap out of them, except didn't use the word crap, a lot, most Americans, I would say, resonated to that because what the hell is this supposed to mean? Or if the left's perspective on terrorism is, well, it's all interconnected, you know, technological change and climate change and child marriage. Okay, you explain to me how a dude not having access to an iPhone is responsible for raping an 11-year-old girl. You explain that one to me, Chelsea Clinton. Why it is that we shouldn't respond to that guy by locking him up or killing him, as opposed to, I don't know, talking about whether we can expand broadband to Pakistan. Like, but, but this is why people don't resonate to the left on these issues. This is why when people tend to think about threats foreign, they, they immediately resonate to, to what people on the right tend to say. Chelsea Clinton continued along these lines. She, she says, Islamophobia is not an option. I think, though, that we also have to recognize, particularly at this moment, um, that sexism is not an opinion. Islamophobia is not an opinion. Racism is not an opinion. Homophobia is not an opinion. Jingoism is not an opinion. And so I think we, in our posture of listening, also have to get comfortable with standing up and speaking out. Um, because I also agree, kind of, that for those of us that have been blessed, and by definition, all of us on this kind of stage today have been blessed, um, there is a responsibility with kind of giving voice to the voiceless, but also using our own voices. Okay, this is insanity. I just want to show you this is footage from the explosion last night in Manchester. Here's what it looked like in Manchester last night. What are we looking at? Is this the lobby? Yeah, so that was that's actually in the station. So 
as we was coming out the arena just before Ariana finished a long song to try and beat the rush, we come out a few minutes early. We'd come just out of where the box office is situated in the arena, and then you go into the train station. As we get to the top of the steps, we heard the biggest explosion, and it, it was literally about 20 meters from where we were stood. Everyone started panicking. We did, we initially thought it was a, a terrorist attack because that's just what, what 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 you think because of what's going on. We heard what we was actually in the building when one 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 went off, and then as we left, that's when the second explosion must have taken a place. So once we'd already left the building and we just ran to the car, like didn't stop running. There was lots of parents stood there, and I said, "Look at them all waiting for the kids," because I'd never seen it like that before. Like so many people, so obviously they was waiting for the children to, to come out. Ah. So they would have been the people. Well, there was the people because twenty seconds later, from us walking to the steps, that's when it that's when it went off. A minute ah. before I took that video, it's enough to make you cry. So it's it's the parents waiting for their kids to come out of the concert, as parents do at things like this. Terrific. It's just terrific. And, and we're hearing Islamophobia is not an opinion. Jingoism is not an opinion. So basically what I'm hearing from Chelsea Clinton in these two clips, and obviously these were done right before the terrorist attack, but it doesn't change the underlying idea in any way because we've had terrorist attacks before and we'll have them again. When Chelsea Clinton says all of these things are interconnected, right? climate change and child marriage, and, and then she says, but you know what we really have to crack down in is, is Islamophobia. And jingoism. Okay, when I watched the footage of young girls being blown up in Manchester, yeah, I have a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter. I have a one-year-old son. The idea that anyone would target them in terrorist attack makes me so enraged. I want a bullet through the brain of these Islamic terrorists now forever. Okay, these people should be tortured in hell. They should never stop burning. Okay, in Judaism, we're not big on everlasting hell. Whatever we believe about everlasting hell, I hope it applies to the fullest extent to the people who do these sorts of things. And I'm not interested in your explanations about interconnectedness of technological innovation and Islamic terrorism. I'm not interested in your justifications for Islamic terrorism. I'm not interested in why you think that my expression about terrorism and my, my opinions of radical Islam should be forbidden, but we should worry about interconnectedness and justification when it comes to the people who blow themselves up. I'm not blowing myself up. I'm trying to stump in favor of killing the people who are going to blow us up. But according to, Hillary, according to Hillary Clinton's daughter, according to Chelsea, the big problem here is that Islamophobia and jingoism are going, to, are going to rise. They're not even opinions. We should restrict those opinions. In fact, there's a story today that there's a woman in Britain who is now being basically prosecuted or investigated by the by the authorities in Britain because she had the temerity to point out that there's a connection to Islam here, that there's a connection to Islamic terrorism, which, of course, there is. It's, this is why no one takes the left seriously when it comes to terrorism. Now, with all of that said, the right's going to have to do better in providing actual solutions to terrorism. Now, some of the solutions that have been proposed, some of the things like President Trump's Muslim ban, uh, which he proposed a while back, you know, that's, I, I, I still think, I, I don't know if that's going to be effective because I'm not sure how you screen that, but the idea of restricting immigration from Islamic countries without being able to vet people, absolutely 100% correct. The idea that we're going to have to take a militant stance on ISIS and wipe them off the face of the earth, and we can't wait around and let the Saudis do it because they're not going to. We can't wait around and let the Turks do it because they're not going to. We can't wait around for Iran to do it because they're not going to. And if you want these sorts of things to stop, there's going to have to be some, some changes in policy, and we're going to talk about that 
in just a second. There's also going to have to be a change in the mindset of a lot of people on the on on all sides of the political aisle with regard to the civilizational battle that we face. And Trump was wrong yesterday when he said it's not a clash of civilizations. It certainly is a clash of civilizations. That doesn't mean everyone in the Muslim world is on the side of the Islamic terrorist civilization. But there is a civilization that is rife with Islamic terrorism and that the West pretends doesn't exist. But we'll talk about that in just a second. First, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at MVMT. So, do you see this super cool watch? This super cool watch could be yours. We have to shop at MVMT. I have two other watches, but this is really the only one that I wear, and that's because it is sleek, and it is cool, and it is comfortable, and it is minimalist. That's sort of what their, their designs are famous for over at MVMT, this sort of minimalist design. And I want to show it to you because it's really cool. It looks like it's a $1,000 watch, but this thing costs well under 200 bucks. That's because MVMT's goal is to charge revolutionary prices for the nicest watches. The company was started by two broke college kids who wanted to wear expensive watches, but they couldn't afford them. So instead, they went and Borrowed some money and started their own watch company. Movement watches, MVMT watches, start at just 95 bucks At a department store, a watch like this is going to cost you hundreds and hundreds of dollars. If you're looking at other watches, it'll cost four or 500 bucks, 95 bucks over at MVMT. And they can do that because they're selling online. So they cut out the middleman. There goes that giant markup. It's classic design, quality construction, styled minimalism. Over 1 million watches sold in over 160 countries. Right now, you get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns if you don't like it by going to MVMT.com slash Shapiro mvmt.com slash Shapiro. You get 15% off today. So they're getting an inexpensive watch. You can get it even more inexpensively by going to mvmt.com slash Shapiro. Also use that slash Shapiro so they know we sent you. You get free shipping and free returns, 15% off a watch that is as cool as this one. And they really do have very cool stuff. They have a wide variety. It's for men and women. Really cool stuff. Okay, so... With all of this said about how the right is better than the left on Islamic terrorism, even the right is not willing to acknowledge, in many, in many cases, a basic fact. And that is the war by radical Islamic civilization against the West is broader than we like to pretend it is. This is what I was complaining about uh, as far as President Trump's speech yesterday in Saudi Arabia. He talked about Islamic extremism, and then he sort of excused the Saudis, and he excused the, the United Arab Emirates. And today, he was making the statement that he made about how terrorists are evil losers. He made that while standing next to Mahmoud Abbas, the dictator of the Palestinian Authority. Mahmoud Abbas is a terrorist. Mahmoud Abbas is a guy who financed the 1972 Munich Olympic terror attacks, the Munich massacre. Mahmoud Abbas is a fellow who in 2015, like a year and a half ago, said that every drop of blood spilled in Jerusalem by a Palestinian is worthwhile and they are martyrs to Allah. Okay, Trump was standing next to that guy yesterday. He was standing next to him when he said all of this. And so when Trump says, well, clip three, that Israel and its Arab neighbors, they have a common interest in stopping terrorism, no, that's really not super true. Many Muslim nations have already taken steps to begin following through on this commitment. There is a growing realization among your Arab neighbors that they have common cause with you and the threat posed by Iran. And it is indeed a threat. There is no question about that. I thank both you and Prime Minister Netanyahu, for your commitment to achieving peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians. I also look forward to discussing the peace process with Palestinian President Abbas. 
Okay, now this is ridiculous. Abbas is not going to take part in a peace process because the minute he signs a deal, his own people kill him. He is currently in a unity government with the terrorist group Hamas. He is currently in a unity government with the terrorist group Islamic Jihad. Now, the West likes to pretend. They like to pretend that terrorism against Israel. Yesterday, while Trump was in Jerusalem, there was an attempted terror attack in Jerusalem. The, the left and the right, every, uh, across the world, there's this common attempt, not, not all of the right, but some of the right, there's this attempt to carve off Israel from the battle against terrorism, as though when a Palestinian blows up a bunch of children in a pizzeria, or when a Palestinian shoots a kid in a car, that's somehow different in kind from the same thing happening in the UK or France or Germany. That's just silly. There are a lot of people who like to say, well, it's a territorial conflict, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. It's a territorial thing. No, it isn't, because if Israel were to give up every slice of territory, all of it, the battle wouldn't end. If Israel were to give up Jerusalem to the Palestinians, you know, all of it, you know what happened? The Palestinians would immediately seek to kill as many Jews as possible using that territory as a launching point. We know that because that's exactly what they did in 1967 and in 1973. So the idea that that, that this is a territorial conflict, here's the rule about territorial conflicts. If it were a territorial conflict, if, if you have a territorial conflict, it can be solved by a territorial solution. If a territorial conflict cannot be solved by a territorial solution, it's not actually a territorial conflict. It's a religious conflict. And yet the right and the left apparently have this common stake in pretending that terror against Jews in Israel is somehow markedly different than terror against British people at a concert in the UK. And that is just not true. That's why you'll see Chris Matthews over on MSNBC basically suggesting that Israel deserves terrorism even though the rest of the West doesn't. But when you go over there to to the Palestinian territories, sure, there are terrorists and they should be punished by the people over there. That's where I think they've got to act. But then you have these Palestinian business guys, regular guys like us, just regular people. They're peaceful. They are being bothered every day of their life to try to business. They have to sit there with some Israeli soldier pointing his gun at them for three or four hours at every checkpoint. They're humiliating those people. And then when's that called? They're going to blow, Jim. I just wonder. So the idea is that if, if you were forced as a business person, to go through the rigors of a, of a check by TSA because there are terrorists getting on the flight, that you're going to go and commit a terrorist attack? The idea that, that Israel is somehow at fault here, again, I know that the left, it's, it's a little bit easier from the left because the left also blames the West for Islamic terrorism in the West, but the idea overall that the conflict between Israel and the Palestinians is somehow different and that there is common cause between Israel and, and the Palestinians in fighting terror is just absolute nonsense. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu had this to say this morning regarding the Manchester attack. It is 100 percent true, even though people don't want to hear it. I want to thank you especially today for your 16, actually. And as you said this morning, Mr. President, funding and rewarding terrorism must end. Standing next to you, President Abbas condemned the horrific attack in Manchester. Well, I hope this heralds a real change. Because if the attacker had been Palestinian and the victims had been Israeli children, the suicide bomber's family would have received a stipend from the Palestinian Authority. That's Palestinian law. That law must be changed. And not only that, American taxpayers would be paying for it because we give aid to the Palestinian Authority. They then funnel to terrorists. The Taylor Force Act, which stops all of this, should immediately be implemented in the United States. Now, look, the terror attack in Manchester is not about Israel, but terrorist attacks in Israel are about Manchester. And the idea that all of this isn't part of a broader civilizational battle with radical Islamic terrorism, that is a mistake. And by ignoring that mistake, all you end up doing is promulgating the terrorism. By pretending away Abbas and Saudi Arabia, that they're all allies with us against, against things like what happened in Manchester, all you end up doing is ignoring one of the sources of the real problem. 
And long term, listen, we don't have the power to topple every bad regime. We don't have the ability or the willingness to throw everybody out of power who we don't like, nor should we, because the fact is that sometimes what replaces them is worse. But if we don't keep in mind who our enemies are, we're not going to take cautious policies. We're going to make foolish mistakes like signing money over to bad guys. And then we're shocked when that comes back to bite us in the ass, whether it's on 9-11 or whether it's in Israel or whether it's in Manchester. Okay, well, I want to talk a little bit more about all of this. I also want to talk about what's going on in the so-called Russia investigation. A couple of bombshells dropped last night. But in order for you to see that, you have to go over to dailywire.com right now, become a subscriber for just $8 a month. You can become a subscriber over at dailywire.com. That means you get to see the rest of the show live. You get to be part of the mailbag. It means that right now, and if you become an annual subscriber right now, then you get a free signed copy of a new book out from me and my dad. This is great for Father's Day. Say it so. It's all about me and my dad and the 2005 White Sox championship season. If you love baseball, it's a real baseball book. Uh, Jerry Krasnick from ESPN has endorsed it. Says it's a great book. Dana Perino, Mark Levin say it's a great book. Um, I also say it's a great book, but I wrote it. Uh, say it so uh, by me and my dad. And you get a signed copy. Uh, I'll sign it for you. Absolutely free of charge when you become an annual subscriber to DailyWire.com. It's the only way you can get it right now is becoming an annual subscriber to DailyWire.com. We'll bring it out uh, on Amazon more publicly in a couple of weeks. But uh, right now, this is the only way you can get a copy. And a signed copy, this is the only way you can get it. So go to, go to DailyWire.com, become an annual subscriber. You get a free signed copy of Say It So, uh, Papa, Dad, and Me, and the 2005 Chicago White Sox championship season. Whether you like the White Sox or not, I'm sure most people don't. It's a great baseball book, and it's really about uh, father-son relationships more than anything else. Sort of the diary that me and my dad kept watching every game that season, so it's a lot of fun. So dailywire.com for all that. If you just want to listen later, then go over to iTunes or SoundCloud, subscribe, and leave a review. We always appreciate it. This is the largest conservative podcast in the United States. So, uh, as, as just a final reiteration, if the West is going to fight radical Islamic terror, it is going to have to acknowledge that there is a common battle between all of these forces together. And it's worthwhile forcing the Saudi government into a coalition with the Israelis. If we're all on the same page with this, then let's see, the, let's see these Muslim nations actually step up, not just hold a glowing orb in the middle of Riyadh, you know, because they don't like Iran. Let's see them actually step up and help us out with the terrorism, uh, or they're on the wrong side. George W. Bush's formulation, I thought, is better than the, the sort of formulation that was provided by President Obama, uh, or President Trump, rather, yesterday. Uh, the formulation Trump provided was he said that we were going to be engaged in some sort of uh, realism, what do you call practical realism, something like that. George W. Bush's you're with us you're, or you're against us, uh, I think is actually uh, a much better formulation. Andrew McCarthy has a really good piece over at National Review about this. He says, there were certainly some positives in the president's rhetoric. Trump did not cite American policy or arrogance as a, a contributory cause of jihadist savagery, as President Obama was wont to do. He was less delusional about the splendor of Islam than were Obama and President George W. Bush. Gone were absurd inflations of Islam's historical achievements and place in the American fabric. Gone were allusions to the religion of peace and love. Nevertheless, the theme that came through the speech is that terrorism is something that happens to Islam rather than something that happens because of Islam. This is simply not the case, even though it is true, as Trump asserted, that the vast majority of those killed by Muslim terrorists are themselves Muslims. There is thus a good deal that is not real about principled realisms, principled realism. Trump's name for what he heralds as a new American strategy, new approaches informed by experience and judgment, a discarding of strategies that have not worked. The principal fiction in principled realism is that we share common values with Sunni Arab Sharia societies. That is problematic because these purported common values, in conjunction with shared interests, are said to be the roots of Trump's approach. 
The president stressed that during his first overseas trip as president, he would be visiting many of the holiest places in the three Abrahamic faiths. The irony was palpable, at least to some of us. Trump is not visiting the holiest places of Islam. You know, he, he points out that it is a mistake to, to count people who are not among our allies as people among our allies. We should at best be skeptical allies of convenience rather than principled allies. He says, Islamic intolerance must be noted in our consideration of principled realism. That intolerance is the foundation of extremism. The studiously unexamined term Trump now applies to jihadist terrorism, just as Obama and Bush did before him. So good for Andrew McCarthy. I think this is exactly correct. The Islam, the religion, should not be confounded with Islam, the political Islamism, the political ideology. This conviction may be more a matter of wishful thinking than anything that can be called realism. He says, the definition of extremism that Trump's principled realism sets, against, it sets itself against is artificial and incoherent. It is true, of course, that not all Muslims who support the intolerance rooted in Islamic doctrine and expressed by the policies of majority Muslim regimes will become violent jihadists. Nonetheless, violent jihad is a natural progression from that intolerance. And the West would be wise to acknowledge that if the West actually wants to fight it. So good for Andrew McCarthy, and I think that we ought to keep that in mind. When President Trump is in Israel pushing a peace deal between terrorists and non-terrorists, he should keep that in mind as well. Okay, meanwhile, as I said, CNN was covering uh, just wall-to-wall this Washington Post story yesterday that broke, sort of a bombshell story, in which the WAPO reports that President Trump directly asked Director of National Intelligence Dan Coats and National Security Agents Head Admiral Mike Rogers to, quote, publicly deny the existence of any evidence of collusion during the 2016 election. And supposedly this was Trump putting pressure on Rogers and Coates to to basically come out and rip James Comey while Comey was FBI director. Now, this fits in with my basic theory, which is that President Trump is not actually attempting to influence the investigation so much as he's annoyed that nobody will just say the truth, which is that there is no evidence at present of collusion between Trump and Russia. Now, between the Trump campaign and Russia, I have no idea because Paul Manafort uh, is a deeply corrupt guy. Uh, Carter Page has connections to the Russians. Mike Flynn, there's still a lot that's unanswered. There's a story yesterday that Mike Flynn lied in his application for security clearance saying he wasn't funded by Russia when, in fact, he was. All of that to the side, Trump himself, there's been no evidence linking Trump himself to collusion in any way. And so Trump apparently went to the DNI coats and the NSA head Rogers and asked them to deny the existence of evidence of collusion. People are treating this as Trump was trying to quash the investigation. According to Coates and according to the Washington Post, Coates and Rogers both refused the president's request, according to the current and former officials. The officials said Coates and Rogers both deemed the request to be inappropriate. So we'll have to ask Coates and Rogers whether that's true. But if you would just read the headline from the WAPO, from Washington Post, what you would come away with is the perception that Trump was asking them to lie. Right? That Trump went to Rogers and Coates and said, I know there's evidence. You know there's evidence. Can you go out there and lie for me and say there's not evidence of collusion? Okay. Buried all the way down, like paragraph 15 of this story, is this little line in the Washington Post that changes the whole story. Quote, In his call with Rogers, Trump urged the NSA director to speak out publicly if there was no evidence of collusion, according to officials briefed on the exchange. Okay, that word if is the entire story. Okay, that changes the entire nature of the story. If the idea here was that Trump asked them to do it despite there being evidence of collusion, then that's obstruction of justice. If Trump was asking them to go out there and say, if there's no evidence, would you mind like going out there and saying that? I'm not really sure how that violates the law per se. I'm not really sure how that even violates good conscience, per se. Like, it may not be smart. It may not be brilliant to go out and talk to your military officials and ask them to intervene in this thing. But 
that if makes all the difference. He's not asking them to lie. He's apparently asking them to tell the truth. That's that's kind of a, a huge difference, wouldn't you think? The Washington Post continued. They said that Trump's conversation with Rogers was documented comp- contemporaneously in an internal memo written by a senior NSA official. Current and former senior intelligence officials viewed Trump's requests as an attempt by the president to tarnish the credibility of the agency leading the Russia investigation. Again, these anonymous officials being quoted, if you really believe this, then you should resign. If you really believe that Trump is trying to tarnish the reputation of the FBI, you should leave. And then you should talk about it. You should say, I left because he's trying to tarnish the reputation. You know why I say that? Because I've done this, okay? (laughs) When I thought that Breitbart's reputation was being tarnished by the activities of its upper management, you know what I did? I quit. I left. I said they're destroying the legacy of Andrew Breitbart, and I left. So I'm speaking as someone who left a pretty high-paid position because I thought that this was a, a violation of terms. None of these people have resigned. They're sticking around, picking up the paycheck, and then leaking to the New York Times and the Washington Post, which suggests to me that I think it's actually a relatively ridiculous and, and large mistake to pretend that Trump, that there's evidence that Trump was trying to pressure the investigation. In fact, today, uh, there was an interview of Clapper, James Clapper is the former director of national intelligence, and he says he has no evidence whatsoever that there was pressure that was, that was putting the, the, the uh, that there was pressure that was being put on on the FBI or the CIA or any of these intelligence agencies. So once again, you know, again, another story that comes out that the left will ignore that suggests that it's a little bit over the top to to say that this is exactly what's happening, that Trump is putting pressure on people. Here's what Brennan said today. So Adam Schiff, congressman from California, he said, quote, in respect to a number of allegations made recently that the president or his aides may have sought to enlist the help of members of the Intelligence Committee or Director Comey himself to drop the Flynn investigation, have any members of the IC, the intelligence community, shared with you their concerns that the president was attempting to enlist the help of people within the intelligence community to drop the Flynn investigation? Brennan's answer, no, sir. Schiff, are you aware of any efforts the president has made to enlist the help of the IC to push back on a narrative involving the collusion issue? Brennan, I am unaware of it. Okay, this is directly counter to the New York Times report. The New York Times alleged that Trump pressured former FBI Director Comey to drop the case before he was fired. Now, Comey's still going to testify, and we'll find out what Comey thought of all of this. But again, I'm not sure that the media is going to pick up on that the way they're picking up on a headline today from the Brennan, from the, the Brennan hearing where he said that there may be evidence that leads to evidence of collusion. You know, that, I think, is, uh, it, it just demonstrates that the media are willing to overlook headline in favor of another. And I want to break here for a second and say thank you to our friends over at Birch Gold. The Fed, as you know, is still promoting loose monetary policy. There's a lot of uncertainty in the political world. The stock market dropped 300 points last week in one day after some of these breaking news items on James Comey. All of it impacts the market and impacts the value of the dollar. If you are concerned, if you are wary of the future of politics in the country, if you're worried about the future of international politics, considering the volatility in North Korea and in the Middle East, then you may want to talk about shifting some of your IRA or 401k into gold with Birch Gold. Moving some of your money into gold, I think, is always a good idea. I have some of my assets in gold. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. You can contact Birch Gold Group right now to request a free information kit on physical precious metals. It's a comprehensive 16-page kit, and it shows how gold and silver can protect your savings and how you can legally move your IRA or 401k out of risky stocks and bonds and into a more solid precious metals IRA. Birchgold.com slash Ben is how you go about getting that free kit. Birchgold.com slash Ben. We always appreciate when you use that slash Ben so that they know that we sent you. As I say, I have part of my assets in gold. Everybody should have part of their assets in gold. That doesn't mean, you know, get out of the stock market. doesn't mean get out of real estate. But it does mean that it's foolish not to have some assets in the one area of human activity that has never been worth zero. Okay, so 
Uh, I want to talk also about, uh, you know, let's just do some things I like and some things I hate today. Let's get straight to that. So, things I like. So, I decided after we did screw tape letters yesterday that we're going to do uh, some, we're going to do some um, things I like this week on the devil. So, in Jewish literature, as I've mentioned before, the devil is not quite the same thing as he is in Christian literature. In Christian literature, the devil is a fallen angel. He was kicked out, Satan was kicked out of heaven uh, for attempting to rebel against God. In Judaism, there really is no such story. That's really a Christian story. Uh, in Judaism, Satan is considered the, the opponent. He's the adversary. Uh, sometimes he's identified with kind of the, the inner drive to do bad things. And sometimes uh, Satan is identified as just an emissary of God who challenges God and prosecutes you after you die. Basically, he's the prosecutor and God is the defense. Uh, so that, that's, that role, though, is, uh, is slightly less interesting than the Christian view of the devil. So there's a short story called The Devil and Daniel Webster by Stephen Vincent Benet. Uh, and it is one of the great short stories of all time. I, I love short stories, and it makes me sad that short stories have fallen out of fashion, especially because our attention span has gone. Very often now, everyone wants to buy the 800-page book uh, at, the, at the store that's the latest Stephen King novel that just goes on and on and on until everything randomly blows up for no reason. Uh, that, it, it, short stories are fantastic. This is one of the best short stories. It basically is about a guy who is frustrated with his life, and he decides, you know what, I'm going to sell my soul to the devil. And the devil takes his soul, and then, he, uh, and then he gives him seven years of prosperity. He comes back, the guy says, can you give me three more years? The devil says, sure. So he gets three more years, and now the devil comes for his soul. And this is happening in New Hampshire in like the 1850s, or the 1840s. And the guy says, you know what, I need a lawyer. So he goes to Daniel Webster. Now people who are familiar with the history of American politics, recognize the name Daniel Webster. Daniel Webster was considered one of the great orators in the history of American politics. Uh, he was an anti-slavery advocate as well, although later in his career he tried to kind of compromise on the slavery issue to avoid the breakup of the Union. So the, so the devil says, okay, well, I'll let Daniel Webster be your lawyer, and we'll have a trial so long as I get to pick the jury. And Daniel Webster says, that's fine, so long as they're all Americans. So the devil immediately picks a bunch of Tories from the Revolutionary War, and he picks a, an Indian chief, a Native American chief, uh, and he picks all of these people. He picks Blackbeard. He picks like a bunch of people who are kind of supposedly the worst of the worst in the short story to hear the trial. And Daniel Webster then tries to explain to, the, to all of these people who are innately not in favor of the United States, why the United States is so great, and why people in the United States should not be enslaved, uh, regardless of who they are, and even if they've made a deal with Satan. So, great short story. Uh, you can pick it up for virtually nothing or read it for free online. And they made a couple of movies of it, actually, of The Devil and Daniel Webster. They made one that I have never seen uh, that is with Anthony Hopkins. It's sort of a modernized, updated version. I'm not a big fan of modernizations and updates as a typical matter. Uh, so, you'll have to, uh, I'll have to watch the movie to see if it's any good. It's called Shortcut to Happiness, I guess. I've never heard of it. A weird cast. It's like Anthony Hopkins is the, is the Daniel Webster character, and uh, Alec Baldwin is the, is the guy who sells his soul to the devil, which makes sense. And Jennifer Love Hewitt plays the female devil. Uh, it was uh, apparently not a, a big hit. There was a, there was a version that won an Academy Award called All That Money Can, Can Buy, um, starring Edward Arnold and Walter Houston back in 1941. I've never seen that one either. Um, this, the, the Shortcut to Happiness apparently was never really released, wide release. It, was, it, was, it sort of went direct to video. With a cast that big, that's kind of shocking. Um, but um, it's, uh, the, the short story itself is obviously the best of the bunch, so you can go and pick up the short story. Okay, time for some things that I hate. 
So while in Israel yesterday, President Trump did drop one thing that is just very frustrating. Uh, President Trump, there are allegations that in his meeting with the Russians, he spilled classified information that led the Russians to recognize the location of a particular source that was an Israeli source within ISIS, apparently. Trump, yesterday, he goes out there and he basically acknowledges that there's an Israeli source in ISIS and says that he's not the one who spilled the beans because he never mentioned the word Israel. This is the problem with having a president who really is not a, a sophisticated player at all when it comes to politics or, or classified information. Just so you understand, I never mentioned the word or the name Israel. Never mentioned it during that conversation. They were all saying I did. So you had another story wrong. Never mentioned the word Israel. Okay, so that is not helpful because, again, no one accused him of mentioning Israel. <coughs> Excuse me. People accused him of dropping classified information that led Israel to, to be revealed. Uh, him doing that basically confirms that there was an Israeli source at issue. Not good. Not good stuff at all. Okay, other things that I hate. There's been a lot of focus on this Seth Rich thing. Um, again, I went over this last week. We talked about the Seth Rich story from Fox DC5 when it broke last week with Rod Wheeler, who's this private investigator, talking about how he had evidence that Seth Rich, who was a DNC operative, uh, was actually sending emails to WikiLeaks. He was sending all the DNC emails to WikiLeaks. It wasn't actually Russian hacking. It was being voluntarily put out there by a member of the DNC. And then he was murdered in suspicious circumstances, four in the morning, he was shot in the back uh, in what they called a failed robbery. The police have called it a failed robbery, but none of his jewelry was actually stolen. Um, so the, the right has jumped on, it was, it was obviously convenient timing, the right jumped on the Seth Rich revelation as an attempt to deflect from all of these stories about President Trump and Comey and classified information and all the rest of it. And originally, they could at least hang their hat on the Fox 5 DC story because the Fox 5 DC story followed up on by Fox News relied on a couple of sources, Rod Wheeler, who is the private investigator, and some unnamed FBI agent who said that there were some 40,000 emails that had been found on Rich's computer and were in possession of the FBI that had been sent to WikiLeaks. Okay, there are two problems with the story. One, Rod Wheeler has said he has no independent knowledge of any of this, and two, they have not been able to investigate. Not only have they not been able to actually identify the FBI investigator who said any of this, DC police have overtly denied it. Other members of the FBI have denied it. The FBI was never in custody of the computer because it was not a federal investigation. It was a local investigation. So it appears that there is no evidence whatsoever on the Seth Rich thing. When evidence appears, I'm happy to talk about it. But there is no evidence whatsoever up to this point of the Seth Rich thing. And yet, and yet, Sean Hannity, a guy I really like, a guy who I consider a friend is out there every night banging the drum on Seth Rich. So he better know something that we don't, otherwise he's just full of crap. He better know something that we don't, otherwise he's just going out there spinning up a conspiracy theory to the furthest reaches of the InfoWars crowd without any evidence whatsoever. And it really is kind of gross. You don't get to spin up conspiracy theories without evidence. I'm an evidence-based guy. I like facts. I like evidence. I demand it from the left, and I demand it from the right. And if we're going to pretend that the Seth Rich conspiracy is actually a conspiracy, I need evidence of that, not just speculation on 4chan and Reddit. I'm going to need some actual evidence beyond Sean Hannity saying stuff. Okay, and when Sean Hannity tweets out, Congress should start an investigation. I have one question. If Sean Hannity is so confident that this is happening, why isn't he calling on President Trump to start an investigation? If he's so confident that Seth Rich was murdered over revelations by, to, to WikiLeaks, Again, the story doesn't make a lot of sense. He, he sends all the emails to WikiLeaks, and then Podesta kills him, and then the DNC kills him, which, of course, would draw nothing but more scrutiny. 
to him sending the emails to WikiLeaks? How does that make any sort of sense at all? It's just, it's, it's, it's a nonsensical conspiracy theory from the outset. But if there's evidence, then there's evidence. Right now, there's none. So I'm not going to humor a conspiracy theory. But if Sean Hannity believes there is evidence, why is he tweeting out about a congressional investigation? It's President Trump who's in charge of the FBI. President Trump has shown that. He just fired the FBI director. The idea that Hannity is going after Congress and not Trump demonstrates that he doesn't really think that there's much here, uh, or at least if he does, he better show the evidence right fast, because otherwise this is just a bunch of crap, and all it's doing is undermining the credibility of Fox News, undermining the credibility of Sean Hannity, and undermining the credibility of the right. Having Newt Gingrich on national television speculating about stuff about which Newt Gingrich knows nothing is a bad look. It's a bad look for the right. Again, maybe I'll ch- I will... Ch- Provide me evidence, I'm happy to change my opinion. But I'm not going to stand for people putting out their unspeculated conspiracy theories without any evidence. If we on the right are angry that the left is putting out speculative conspiracy theories about Trump-Russia without any evidence of collusion, then we should be equally angry when people on the right do the same thing about Seth Rich, especially when his family is asking people to cut it out. I guess the implication is that his family is part of the cover-up in some way. Again, evidence here would be really nice. Evidence here would be a nice thing if you're going to do this. Okay, we'll be back tomorrow. I want to bring you the latest from the Clapper hearing, which is taking place right now. We'll bring you all the latest on the terror attack in Manchester. A lot to talk. I'll also be in Chicago. I'll be doing this from uh, right before my speech at Northwestern University, which is apparently packed to the gills. Uh, they banned all the outside people from coming in, supposedly for security reasons. <laughs> but if you want to come, then email me and we can try and figure something out. We'll try and figure out a workaround. In any case, this is, I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. <laughs> We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.